One purchased, one donated. That's the promise of Bombas, whose incredibly comfy socks, tees, and underwear go not only to you when you buy them, but also to people facing homelessness. So when you put on that buttery soft tea or realize you've developed a habit of reaching for Bomba socks, which I do, over every other pair in the drawer, you'll know that someone in need is having that same feeling. Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use code hard things for 20% off your first purchase. There have been so many guests on the podcast that I wish we could have gotten more one-on-one time with. Because when you really get to sit down and have that intimate experience, you learn so much more. And that's why we love our longtime partner, Masterclass. Because where else are you going to get one-on-one time with RuPaul? Teaching you how to be your most authentic self as if among friends. And if you were as fascinated as I was after Natalie Portman joined the show, maybe you wanted to go deeper. And her acting class on Masterclass lets you do just that. With their set of 180-plus world-class instructors, you're in good hands when you decide to set out on your next learning adventure. Plus, if it's not for you, they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. My favorite. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things. Pod Squad, there's something we need to ask you to do today that would mean so much to us. And that is take 30 seconds to make sure you're following the show. This weird thing happened with the Apple updates and it's kicked a lot of people out of the pause squad. They've been paused. And so we need you to make sure you're not paused. I was. I mean, I was paused out of my own pod squad. I know you were. So to check to see if this happened to you, Apple listeners, listen up. Open your podcast app, search We Can Do Hard Things and select the show page. In the top right corner, you may see a pause symbol. Tap the pause symbol to resume, please. If you see a download symbol, you can go to the settings and automatically download episodes. And if you see a plus symbol, please tap to follow the show. So if you do this, the new episodes just come up in your feed. And this is really helpful to you because you never miss an episode. It's also really helpful to us. It actually matters to us when you listen to the pod. It makes a big difference. So thank you so much. Go to We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts and tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. And you know what? Tell your friends. Maybe send them a link to your favorite episode or to the show. We love you. We appreciate you so much, Pod Squad. really do. Thank you, Pod Squad. Unpause. Unpause us. I hit rock bottom. It felt like a brand new start. Welcome back to We Can Do Hard Things. Today we have Laura McCowan. Laura McCowan is the author of the best-selling memoir, We Are the Luckiest, The Surprising Magic of a Sober Life, and Push Off From Here, Nine Essential Truths to Get You Through Life and Everything Else. She has written for the New York Times and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, The Guardian, The Atlantic, The Today Show, and more. In 2020, she founded The Luckiest Club, a global sobriety support community. Laura lives with her daughter and partner on the North Shore of Boston. So I was trying to remember this in the shower this morning. I think the first podcast I ever did was your podcast, right? Yes. Am, am I correct in that remembering- That we didn't hit record? That, <laughs> Shut up. That we talked for one hour. At least. And then we finished. And then two days later, I got this very upset, apologetic, panic-stricken email mm-hmm. from you- Mm-hmm. saying how excited you were to have me on and that you didn't really have me on. Yeah, it was um, psych. It yeah, was there was no out. record button. It was, it was Holly and I, and it was the most devastating conversation. She called me. I thought someone died. Like, she's like, I, I have to tell you something. It didn't hit record. 
Well, you were so nice because you made sure someone on your team got in touch with us and said, Glennon wants you to know she's not mad and she will record again. That is so sweet. So was this pre-me <laughs> This your was pre-you, yes. babe. This is like a long yeah. time ago. This is like we, 2017. Yes. Yeah. B.A. Yeah. I'm like the technology person. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> my, I did. I recorded. You did? Yeah. They didn't record, babe. Oh, my God. This is, you could have just recorded your part. These were different <laughs> just, days, first of all, 2017. Right? <laughs> like, you, it was amazing you guys even had a podcast. It, I felt like it was so early. <sighs> it was. It was 2015 we started and there were no podcasts. Yeah. We were like the first people talking, first women talking about uh-huh. sobriety. <laughs> we're like, what are we doing? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? Let's just go. Yeah. Uh, okay. So pod squad, this is why you can trust this woman, not with technology, but <laughs> with your spiritual growth. Okay. Because what you need to know about Laura is I feel like she understands and talks about recovery and sobriety in life in the same way that I've always understood it, which is that recovery is like a spiritual path for everyone, kind Mm. of, that it's not just about not drinking. So Mm. for all the pod squatters that are listening right now, I want you to suspend the idea that this next hour is going to be just about drinking or not drinking. I think it's really about a way of life Mm -hmm. that can help people live with more peace and more truth and more integrity. And Laura for many reasons, which we're going to explore, came up with nine truths that are like stepping stones that are ideas about life that if walked and if accepted and if integrated into your life, do bring some peace and power. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read them right now. Number one, it is not your fault. Mm Mm-hmm. Number two, it is your responsibility. Yep. (laughs) Number three, it is unfair that this is your thing. God. Number four, this is your thing. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Number five, this will never stop being your thing until you face it. (laughs) Yeah. Number six, you can't do it alone. That's a good one. Number seven. Only you can do it. Mm-hmm. That one pisses me off. Number eight, I love you. Oh. Number nine, I will never stop reminding you of these things. Mm. All right, Laura. Woof. I believe you because I've read the book probably several times. And, I, and the reason I can say I believe you is because at first I tried not to believe you. Because I think that we're both skeptical non-joiners of things, right? Yep. But I think that you're right. So, first of all, can you begin by telling the pod squad the story about the hotel room and Alma? And mm-hmm. Am I saying her name right? Because I've only ever read yes, it. Yes, it's, it's Alma, Alma, right? Yeah. It's a beautiful name. And how you got to the point where you decided something had to change in your life. Just take us back. Yes. So... 2013, uh, my brother's wedding in Colorado. Alma and I fly out. She is four. We fly out from Boston. I'm in the wedding as a maid of honor. Alma is the flower girl. And the wheels had really come off for me in my drinking. At that point, I was a year after being separated from my husband So like no one was watching me anymore Mm. and it was getting really dangerous. I had got a DUI a couple months before that, but still very in denial, very like, this isn't the thing that's wrong. It's that my life has exploded. Mm -hmm. But I would approach these types of weekends and I would have this fear because I knew how much I needed to drink in order to survive it kind of. And Mm -hmm. my anxiety was always so high, but I didn't know what was going to happen. I, the night of the wedding, I had hired a babysitter uh, for when Alma needed to go to sleep. She's four. She goes to sleep kind of early. So we, we started drinking at, I don't know, 11 that morning. 
uh, in the bridal party suites. And I remember my mom at like two or three in the afternoon, seeing that I was kind of tipsy and saying, honey, just slow down a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I couldn't. Um, Mm -hmm. We get through the wedding, the dinner and all of that. And the reception, I take Alma upstairs to be with the babysitter. And a few hours later, I come back to the hotel room to relieve the babysitter, send her home. And I barely remember that. I woke up the next morning uh, in someone's hotel room that was not mine, next to someone I did not know. And it was seven o'clock in the morning, and my phone is exploding with texts Mm. and Mm. um, it's dinging. And that's what woke me up. And I have texts from my mom. Where are you? I have Alma. What are you doing? Mm -hmm. What has happened? Um, You know, just the amount of horror in, I'm still in this bridesmaid dress. I have no recollection of really leaving her, Uh, but I left her. I left Mm -hmm. her for the entire night. And she, (laughs) by a miracle, made it to my mother. Uh, She wandered out of the hotel room in the morning looking for somebody, looking for me. And the hotel staff found her. She made it to my mom somehow because Alma remembered that she was there for a wedding. And they put together the wedding situation. And yeah, that that was what happened. And that morning... Um, I mean, it, it is it is the the worst night of my life, the worst morning of my life. It was the one thing I thought I wouldn't do was put her in danger mm-hmm. like that. And it happened. Mm-hmm. And it was public to my family, mm. uh, my brother, my sister-in-law, my mom, everybody. And so my back was up against the wall. Mm-hmm. And... My mom, who doesn't get mad at me, uh, she couldn't even talk to me that day. Uh, I was so physically ill uh, that I, I couldn't even speak. You know, it was just, I was traumatized. I can feel it in my body right now. It was just yeah. like ice cold in yeah. my bones all day. And the really crazy thing that I have to mention here is that on the the drive home from the wedding that next morning, I'm riding in the back of the car, (laughs) like a child with, uh, my mom and my grandma in the front and Alma's with me. And I was just holding onto Alma's body, like just clutching her the whole way home. And we're like going to a restaurant or something. And we sit down to have lunch. And all I can think is like, I'm so mortified that this happened, but I'm so mad that I got caught. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that thought that I was more upset about being caught and that I had to actually do something now was terrifying Mm -hmm. because it was like, this thing has you. Yeah. Yeah. But you said such an important word. You said when your mom said, slow down, you didn't say I didn't. You said, I couldn't. And that is so important yeah. for everybody who has this problem to hear Laura say she couldn't. It's not that she didn't. No. And keeping in mind, I mean, Laura's life on the outside, besides the chaos that I'm sure was happening, looked good. Oh, yeah. Right? You had a, a good job. You had, you were functioning. Very. It was scary how much I was functioning mm-hmm. when I look back on pictures and I look like together. I know. I was a master performer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Can I just say thank you for sharing that? Mm-hmm. I every time I read that story from you and hearing it now, it's just so profoundly important that I feel like so many of us in all aspects of our lives, but even those of us who struggle with addiction, like it's like you can say all the things up to a point, Mm -hmm. but that last one, I'm not going to share that. And it 
perpetuates this idea that like a mother's love covers all things that you can protect yourself from yourself by that love and it will never cross a threshold, but that's just not real. And I think it keeps people in such shame because they're like, what's wrong with me is I'm a terrible person Mm -hmm. and a terrible mother because only I could do that, which just leads you to be drinking more because you've written yourself off. And I just really think that's such a gift to share that. Mm-hmm. Um, thank, so you. thank you. It's got to be really hard. I started my book that way, the, my first book, because, and I I say this anytime I do an event or teach anything or and it, I'm anywhere where I'm talking to a mother, because you can see their shame is different. It mm-hmm. is worse. Yes. And yes. there is a special vitriol that we have for mothers who drink and fall into addiction of any kind, but especially substance use addiction. And I always say like, I wrote this book for anyone who needs to hear it, but I really wrote it for you because this was the thing that would have killed me is this shame yeah, that mm-hmm. I felt. And it's what I hear people echo back all the time. Like I can forgive myself for all these things, but I cannot forgive what I did as a mother. Mm-hmm. I just can't. And that's because it's impossible to be a mother anyway. Um, <laughs> but hard stop, hard stop. <laughs> yes. There's no winning, but especially with this, you're not supposed to do it. It's not supposed to happen to mothers. And it wasn't until other women in recovery told me, no, like addiction is stronger than love. Even yep. the mother's love until it isn't yes, it is. mm-hmm. that I was mm-hmm. able to slowly like let that go. Well, that's why I trust you because you tell that story, Yep. by the way. That's like the sign to me of a free person. Somebody who actually has chosen recovery over reputation, shame, whatever. That's the mark of freedom to me is somebody who can say that shit for themselves and for other people. And isn't it so important to remember that we are all capable of everything? Oh my God. Yes. And it's, it's we just are. To by me, the grace God. of God. Yeah, we are I all capable of everything. Like, and even sometimes in my sobriety now, I can find myself getting like in my thoughts judgy about people who I see who are in their active addiction. Yeah. And I have to remember, oh no. No, no, no. You are them. They are you. You are capable of everything. Yep. Okay, I have a surprise to tell you, honey. I booked us an Airbnb at the Thousand Islands with more space and privacy. And we get to opt into my family. So near family, but not with family. Yes. You solved family near, but not with. <laughs> Thank you, Airbnb. <laughs> it's so exciting. Have you ever thought about renting your place out? Like when you go away like that? Yeah, I have. There's some big events coming up in LA in the near future that I'm very excited that possibly we're going to do that for sure. When you really think about it, babe, it really is the perfect way to make some extra money when we're away from LA. When you're just living somewhere, it's easy to forget that the place you live in is actually a travel destination others want to visit. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Airbnb.com slash host. Sister, you should rent your house too. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. It's true. You don't go somewhere new and exotic just to be there. You go to do things be it a historical walking tour, zip lining through the trees, or guided tours through museums. Like the hassle-free self-guided audio tour our family took through Versailles. If you're planning a trip and really want to make the most out of your time, I recommend you check out Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences from simple tours to extreme adventures. And there's something for everyone in over 190 countries. Thrill rides, spooky ghost tours, secret food guides, exploration off the beaten path. It's all there, along with millions of real traveler reviews, 24-7 customer service, various payment options, and flexibility and support with free cancellation. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 thousand travel experiences you'll remember. Do more 
with Viator. Don't you think it's interesting what you just said about it's impossible to be a mother, but it's also, it's it's amazing how we have this special vitriol for mothers who drink. But then again, our entire culture tells mothers they should drink. Oh my God. The mommy drinking complex. Mm. Like we- Mommy sippy cup. We have wardrobes made of that mommy should drink, but not that much. It's like everything else for women. It's like wear makeup, but not that much. Talk, speak up, but not that much. Ask for, be ambitious, but not that much. Like what is the right amount? (laughs) <laughs> what is the amount that we can all agree is is correct of everything? Yeah, for women? the answer and, and, is zero. There is no right. amount. Yeah. No, that was one of the things that I got so angry about when I got sober mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. the culture that we were living in, especially all the, the moms I knew. I mean, that's what we did. And that's what we felt like we deserved. It was a one thing that was ours. Mm-hmm. You know, I get yeah. to have this glass of wine, this bottle of wine, or we get to do this. And all the while we're completely like subjugating ourselves because it's a drug <laughs> that yeah. pulls us out of consciousness. But yeah, it's a wild phenomenon. Yes. It's the shitty consolation prize for women. Like sister talks about, it. it's like the idea of like religion is the opiate of people like mm wine is the opiate of women. When we say this is the one thing we can have, it's because why? Because we don't have childcare, because we don't have equality, because we don't have enough power. It's like, we we can't have power. This is the only thing we get, which, hey, I get it. Mm -hmm. I did it for a very long time. But then that numbs us from the rage we should have that would actually get us the real thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. Or the agency or yes, exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. It's a complete gaslighting because (laughs) it's like, this is great. This is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Look, it's everywhere. How can it be bad? It's literally everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, what we're not going to tell you is that it will kill you. And it's an addictive substance, like one of the most addictive substances. We are so culturally like duped about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then it's made to be addictive, but then when we get addicted, we have a problem. We are made wrong. Mm-hmm. We are ashamed for, for drinking the thing that you gave me that you made addictive. That they mm-hmm. sold us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also for me drinking, it got to be later about you know, numbing pain and just coping. But at first it's just connecting. I thought that's how all adults connected because that's what I saw. And that's what love looks like and fun and intimacy and friendship and bonding. That's Mm -hmm. what it looks like. And it actually works pretty well because Mm -hmm. it lowers your inhibitions and it is a good social lubricant. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. why people use it. It actually works very well. So we yoke all this stuff to alcohol that is like intrinsically, it's connected to our most primal need to belong and to connect and to be loved. And it works and you get, and you're like, oh good, I found the thing. I found, I found the like magic bullet. And then you can't have it. Nope, you can't have it. And not only can you not have it, how did that even happen to you? Yeah. 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 And so you have to figure out how to do that, all that other stuff again mm-hmm. or for the first yeah, time. But I don't think I really put that together until I read your work that the threat of losing alcohol is actually the threat of not belonging anymore. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because I didn't get that. Like a lot of people's families and friend groups and everything. So it's not just that you're physically addicted to it, you're spiritually addicted to it because it's attachment. It's belonging. Yep. It's attachment. Yes. Yeah. It is friends, I had no idea how to go on a date, connect with men, have sex, that entire world. And that's a whole other book that I'm writing was, I didn't know how to do that without the help of alcohol. Mm -hmm. I literally Mm -hmm. didn't know how to go on a date and not drink. I didn't know how to be. Mm -hmm. It is very primal. It's not just about the alcohol. If it was, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to let it go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that your framing of um, sobriety, of recovery, not as much about being a no 
but about being a bigger yes Mm -hmm. is so powerful, but it's intractable until you can smell the yes, right? Mm -hmm. Because if, if all of your relationships, if all of your experiences, if all of your connections are based on this, this portal of drinking that lets you access them, then the only thing you can see and feel and touch is everything you'll have to say no to. Yeah. Right. And so really, I think that the scales tip when you can actually smell the bigger yes and you have something to go toward that isn't just away from everything that you know. It's like a monstera plant. What? It's like a monstera plant. What? Okay. Oh, so the I don't Swiss know what the hell plants? that is. This yeah. is yeah, this so is gonna be Chase fun. Chase told me <laughs> our son is like a botanist. Okay, we have grand plants. At one point he had 50 plants in his room. And he taught me that the magic of a monstera plant is that it lives in the rainforests. Yeah. And so it will grow through the darkness. All other plants grow towards the light, but a monstera knows how to grow through the darkness because it believes the fucking plant believes, although maybe there's another word for believes in science, but it believes that there is light somewhere else. It's going to get there, but it grows through the darkness first because it believes that there's light, better light, bigger light eventually. Wow. I didn't know that. I mean, it's probably not true. We'll have to fact check it. (laughs) It's a good story though. I like that plant a lot. Thank you. Yes. I love how you said you have to be able to smell a whiff of the bigger yes. Mm -hmm. Because to tell someone who's giving up the thing that they think helps them survive and connect and live and all of those things, that there's something good coming, you know, is is disingenuous and it's not going to work either. Mm -hmm. But if you can hold out long enough to like thaw out mm-hmm. and to start to get your feelings back, which will feel terrible, but there's energy in them mm-hmm. and there's truth in them. Mm-hmm. You have to get rid of the physical addiction and that takes time. I mean, I wouldn't be sober. I certainly wouldn't be happy and at peace most of the time if I wasn't going towards something. And that's another thing that I got so like frustrated with at the beginning was I looked around and I thought, this is not a like promising enterprise. Mm-hmm. I love AA and I got sober in AA, but the a lot of the conversations that I had there felt very like fearful mm. and closed. Like they weren't mm. expansive. Like this is all you can hope for, but this is a really good life. And I don't know if that's just what I heard mm-hmm. or what was actually being said. But for me, I had a woman tell me, you know, I have a nice little life. And I thought, I don't want a nice little life. Mm-hmm. That is not what I want. Because I had all this stuff in me that I couldn't name. I didn't know what it was, but it was in there. And You call it big energy, right? Big energy. What is that? Even as a kid, I had, and and definitely as a young adult, like I just had big energy. I didn't know what to do with it. I felt like I needed to create something. There was so much in me Mm -hmm. and it almost felt and feels sometimes like a kind of mania feeling. Mm -hmm. There's this overwhelming urge to express. I think that's what it was, but I didn't know how to do that. It wasn't safe to do that in my family. And I found other ways to cope. I played sports, which saved me. I (laughs) had an eating disorder, which saved me at the time. Mm -hmm. Then I found alcohol. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, that's where I can burn all that energy down with alcohol. Yeah. It's not that it went away, but I could temper it. Uh-huh. And when I got sober, I could not anymore. That it just, it had to find a place to go. So Laura, I just want to talk through how it feels so much like this is for everyone because the name of your first book is We Are the Luckiest. And it's, Beautiful. it's, it's true. Like it's, it's true. I have always felt like I was extremely lucky 
to have discovered in high school this world of recovery. Our pod squad knows I went to a mental hospital in high school Mm -hmm. because of just what was sort of the equivalent of a nervous breakdown tied to addiction and food bulimia. But I was exposed at that point to this other way of life where you like learned stuff about how to human. Okay. So I was in high school learning about hieroglyphics, okay, dying inside. Mm -hmm. And then because I was like, I can't take this anymore. There has to be something better. I went to the mental hospital, which was better. And they taught us a lot of recovery things and about how to human. Yes. And then throughout my life, I experienced more and more. I was lucky enough to have so many nervous breakdowns that I (laughs) ended up experiencing a lot of recovery, the recovery world, which taught me things that other people don't know. Yes. And has resulted in a deep peace and understanding that I feel like a lot of people don't get who can cope better with the world, right? Yeah. So is that what you mean by we are lucky that like we had a thing that was so disruptive to culture Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was so unacceptable that we had to deal with it. Whereas everybody has a thing, but if your thing is like overwork and it's celebrated by culture or your thing is just like rudeness and stoicism and your invulnerability and you're excused by the culture, mm-hmm. you never are forced to address the pain that that behavior is covering. And you never get to experience the world of recovery, which is sort of like a spiritual path. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. 100%. And I wish everybody had the opportunity to be in recovery. I realized pretty quickly. And when I started to say, I am the luckiest, which turned into we are the luckiest, it was because I realized that all the things I actually always wanted to like feel the full range of what I was feeling, to Mm -hmm. have actual connection with people, to be able to tell the truth. I wanted so desperately to be able to tell the truth about what was going on with me and my mm-hmm. life. I wanted it so bad and I I never could. I wanted to be able to write. I wanted more than anything to be a writer and an author. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to actually feel the love I had for my daughter that was just like almost behind all this gauzy stuff because I was just surviving. I was constantly intoxicated or hung over. And I knew I loved her, but I couldn't feel it. And I also couldn't show up Mm. in any responsible way for anybody. Mm. I had no dignity. Mm. And so the way we are the luckiest or I am the luckiest came out was just this really boring. It was like a weeknight, like a Tuesday night. I was in pretty early sobriety. I had cried because I was always crying and (laughs) the wave passed of emotion and I had survived it and I, and I didn't drink and I had this overwhelming sense of gratitude like fall over me. I was Mm. in the bed with my daughter. She was asleep, her little five-year-old face. I had clean sheets. Mm. There was not going to be any new destruction that night that Mm. I would have to explain. I, I would remember every part of the night. I would probably sleep. I would go to my job the next day. I wasn't hiding anything. Mm. All of that hit me. And I just thought, oh my God, this is what I always wanted. Mm. And I, I of course, did an Instagram post because that's what I was doing at the time. And I said, <laughs> I'm luckiest. This is, you know, I was like processing real time. I got If I went back to those posts, I was processing like my recovery process in real time there. But I felt that and I still feel that. I can't say it enough how strongly I believe this, that it's just another invitation. Like yeah, addiction isn't even that interesting. 
It's not unique. We're all addicted. It's just substance addiction is really gnarly and it shows up in these really unacceptable ways, like you said. Mm -hmm. And the other kinds are easier to hide and sometimes revered. This was my thing. I can't express how much I didn't want it. I mean, I told you the thought that I had after the worst night of my life with Alma, where I thought I was just so mad I was caught because I didn't want to give up this thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it was absolutely my invitation to everything that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And we all get these invitations. They look different for everybody. Could be a divorce, could be death. It could be something beautiful. For me, nothing, the rock bottoms, it couldn't get bad enough. Correct. Same. Like for some people, it has to be, for me, it was a pregnancy test that I thought, why is the universe trusting me with this thing? I had to be invited in a good way. You know what I mean? Like, Yes. That's a good point. It can be a beautiful thing. It can be a beautiful thing too. The bigger yes that you're talking about is not something that's necessarily... Like I sometimes think people, the bigger yes seems so unattainable, especially when you look at yourself and you're like, I'm a fucking mess. Mm -hmm. Like how dare I even think that I would be a person that could embrace a bigger yes when I can't even do my daily life right? Right. So I think your bigger yes could be that you super know at the deepest part of you that you're supposed to write a book. It could be that like you just want to be at fucking peace and you deserve it. Like yeah. the, the line that got to me is when you said the simple dignity of waking up without regret. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you one thing Jesus, that is that, that for me, me that I think about every single day? Yes. When we talk about the bigger yes being a big thing. For me, I remember being in college and laying in bed, having not gone to sleep from cocaine and drinking and all the things. Not My life was such a freaking disaster. I didn't even know how to get out of bed and put one foot in front of the other. And I remember hearing this roommate that I had, she was getting up for class, which I didn't do. And I would hear her putting on lotion on her legs every morning. And for me, that listening to her put lotion on her legs, I I couldn't handle it because I thought, what kind of person? Like, I don't know where my car is. I don't have any relation. I burned every bridge of my life. I don't know what I did last night. I don't know. But this girl has such dignity that she has so many things figured out that she is paying attention to the moisturizing of her skin. Like, I'm finding cigarette burns on my, I'm finding like, I can't even, and it would just make me want to die listening to her put lotion on. So for me, I think of the big yes every day when I'm putting lotion on my skin. Whoa. Every day. She does it every day. I can't believe how much lotion she puts on her body. <laughs> she is lotioning all the time. I never heard this story about. either. This is no because it feels like over lotioners anonymous. Here she comes. <laughs> it feels like dignity to me. Yes, I, it yes. Feels I know like exactly dignity. what you mean. My like heart is just. I I know exactly what you mean because the bigger yes, I I talk about this all the time too, Amanda. Because a lot of people think, oh my god, it has to be a a career or yes. a profession or my job. I have to have to have a purpose. And that's not at all what I mean. I actually mm-hmm. hate that. It's just being who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the the absolute honor and dignity yeah. of being who you are, who you already mm-hmm. are, not who you want to be or who you wish you were. Mm-hmm. I don't like that you could be anything you want to be because you can't. Mm-hmm. We could talk about that forever, but just, you can be who you are. You can yep. find out who that person is. You can be curious about that person. You can figure out how to get to know that person, maybe love that person. There's mm. an infinite well available there. And what happens when you become who you are is your whole life changes because mm-hmm. all your relationships change. Yep. You can't tolerate the things that you used to tolerate when you were 
like I was pretending I was so good at acting and pretending that there were like 30 versions of Laura. Mm-hmm. Which one did you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So my relationships weren't real. Most of them. They definitely weren't as deep and connected as, as I wanted them to be. My job was all wrong. And it, so it was, yes, I wanted to be an author, but I was just really paying attention to what was already there. Mm. Yeah. One of life's most prevalent paradoxes that I often note is a closet full of clothes, but nothing to wear. But people who say that about their closet haven't shopped at Quince. I'll put my money on that. Quince is my, and soon to be your, go-to for high quality yet affordable luxury essentials from organic cotton to washable silk and sparkling jewelry. I am currently obsessed with all of their belt bags. Do you know this? They're the kind of bags that you can sling over the front of you, the kind that are actually like attached to a belt around your waist. And there's even like nylon ones that I've bought. They are under 30 bucks and they are really good for active wear and also hands-free. This is what I'm talking about. The new bag of the future is hands-free and they are super inexpensive at Quince. Love them. Check them out. The best part is Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, which not only helps us trust the quality and origin of the pieces, but also cuts out unnecessary extra costs and allows us to bask in the savings. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash hard things. We talk about a lot of hard things on this show. Things that we often try to avoid but have learned are easier when we drop the fake and talk about them so we all feel less alone. And then there are other hard things like learning a language. Now, sometimes that's challenging, yet incredibly rewarding and stimulating. To make that a little easier, there's Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program that really immerses you in the program. Immersion is what has taken me beyond vocabulary and into full-on conversations, and that's vital to language learning. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, We Can Do Hard Things listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash we can. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash we can today. Easter is a funny bunny holiday. But Easter can also be crazy like other holidays, especially when you've got kids and baskets and God help you if you want to set up an Easter egg hunt. So let DoorDash help make Easter or any family get together a little less hectic with delivery on groceries, supplies, flowers, and maybe even those green plastic things that go in the Easter basket and end up on your floor for the next six months right to your door. You can choose from a huge variety of stores, local shops to national chains, and cover literally every need. Plus, with the DoorDash membership, you'll save with $0 delivery fee and reduced service fees on all eligible orders from DoorDash merchants that meet the minimum subtotal. Other fees, including service fee, apply. Terms apply. Hop over to DoorDash to get your Easter essentials all in one app and get 50% off up to $10 when you spend $15 or more on your next convenience, grocery, or retail order with code HARDTHINGS24. That's HARDTHINGS24. Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. You want to know what my dignity moment is that happens to me every morning? Every single morning when my alarm goes off, This is not a joke. This happens to me every single morning. 
the feeling of not being hungover. Oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me the too, Abby. feeling of not and being like hungover. Like every morning. And it's not like I pop out of bed. It's like I have this wave of like, good job. Yeah. yeah. Good job. It's an absence of shame. And in that yes. absence, there's just this peace. Yeah. And I have it also sometimes when I go to sleep, I'm like, damn, you are going to be so fine waking up tomorrow morning. Good job. <laughs> I had one yesterday because my major dignity, big yes moments. Okay. Do you remember when we went to dinner? We mm-hmm. actually went out to dinner. Yeah. On we a went date. on a date. It was so and cute. do you remember how I had on a shirt and a jacket? Yeah. When I have two things on, mm-hmm. I'm like, I cannot believe that I am the type of person <laughs> who can put two layers of yeah. clothes on. The dignity of that. I used to look at people who layered clothes and would be like, holy shit, you have your shit together so much. I can't even. I know. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I feel like I have those moments all over the place. Mm-hmm. I went and renewed my inspection sticker. And oh. That was, yeah. That's oh. like PhD level dignity. Yeah. Oh, um, God. But yeah, the, the, the coffee every morning, that first mm, sip of yeah. coffee where I'm not hungover. I don't wonder what happened. I'm waking up next to a person that I genuinely adore and that knows exactly who I am and vice versa. My yeah. daughter is safe. She thinks I'm boring and that's amazing. Yes. And yeah. I I get to have that sip of coffee and it's like, I'm good. I think that's what that woman meant in, in AA. Like that's what they mean when they say, I just have a good little life. Oh, like, yes. I actually do relate so much to that because that is what I'm most dignified and proud of in my entire life is nothing big that happens. It's like, I cannot believe that I am the type of person who is running this little world with these little people in honesty and integrity every day. I cannot believe that. I know I get it now. And I talk about that in my book. I hated when, when I, what I heard when she said, I have a nice little life because I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah, now okay. I understand completely. And I love my nice little life. The best part about my life is just what is happening right where I'm sitting. Yes. What's right in front of yes. my face. Yes. And I think all of this connects when you are in addiction and you're fucking up everything around you. There is so much pressure that you feel and that you're given to stop torturing everyone that loves you. You can't make their life so torturous. And I think that is true. And also we miss the big, big central piece of that is you too Mm -hmm. deserve a life that isn't torturous. Mm -hmm. It isn't just to fix what you're fucking up outside of you. It's like, you can live inside of you yeah. untortured. Yes. And that is actually the most important part. And if you get that right, out from that flows the non-torture of everyone else. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's why I had <laughs> number three. It's unfair that this is your thing. That's why I said that. Yeah. Not because nobody expects life to actually be fair, but we operate as if it should be. And right. when it comes to addiction specifically, We are given no allotment of grief. There's no compassion there for us. There's no one that's really looking at us unless, you know, you have other people in recovery looking at you. Most of your friends or family are looking at you and saying, what the fuck? Please just Mm -hmm. stop and stop now. Fix it now and go do it somewhere else. And you are causing us pain. Mm -hmm. And there is no... One looking at us and saying, I see your sorrow and I see your pain. Yeah, no. That and I'm never so happened. sorry that this is happening to you. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair and you don't deserve it. That's mm-hmm. the big piece too, is like, you don't deserve this because you're bad. Like you don't yeah. deserve to atone forever about your addiction and all the things that came from it because you're bad. You have to take responsibility because those things happened. We bypass that whole step of, I'm just sorry, this just sucks. This sucks yeah. for you and it's not fair. 
Mm-hmm. It's good. That's your, your quote of this. The first question is not why the addiction, it's why the pain. Mm. Can we talk about that? Yes. So we're going to explain why we have a thing. And then we're going to come back and we're going to go through the nine things and blow everyone's mind. Okay. We have a thing, Laura. You're so brilliant at explaining this. If everyone's thinking of their thing right now, all pod squatters are thinking of their thing, whether mm-hmm. it's like drinking or gossip or uh, over shopping or Social overwork or, control, or abuse or, or betrayal or right. things that happen well, I'm talking, to you. Right. I'm not talking about the thing that happened to you. I'm talking about the thing that you do to avoid thinking about the thing that happened to you. Okay. Mm. okay. I'm not talking gotcha. about mm-hmm. the trauma. What we are talking about is a behavior that we are all engaged in. We all have a thing that is self-soothing. What did you say, Laura? You said that another word for addiction should be like ritualized. Ritual comfort seeking. Yes. It's like a comfort seeking that you have ritualized in your life. Okay. Mm -hmm. So So, like I sucked my thumb into like sixth grade. I had a blankie that I brought to college with me. I have always been a self-soother. So it's easy for me to see that, but everybody has a a soothing mechanism. The soothing mechanism can become maladaptive and turn into addiction, right? Mm -hmm. Why do we have a thing, Laura? And why do we need to address the thing? Okay. Because it's like recovery is ripping off the Band-Aid under which a festering boil (laughs) is infecting (laughs) us. Right. Okay. So okay. why do they need so to address their thing? We have a thing because we are animals. One of our most primal needs is to be connected and to be attached, to belong. Let's just call it attachment to people that love us. We also need food, shelter, water, all of those things too. And if you are not getting those things, you are going to adapt somehow, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not getting fed... As a child, you might steal from your neighbors or you might steal the the kids' food at lunch, not because you're a terrible little shit of a kid, but because you're hungry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's actually very intelligent to do that. Mm-hmm. If like for me, I have a, a very angry father, unpredictable dad, and it was not safe for me to just feel how I felt. And to express Mm. that. So I started pretending very early that everything was fine because I figured out that's the way to get my needs met. Mm -hmm. I will survive this environment. And you're not thinking that. It's totally subconscious. That's what I want people to know. This isn't a choice. It's never a choice because it starts so young. Mm -hmm. You don't start drinking young, but you start to find ways to survive your environment, to Mm -hmm. adapt to figure out how to keep those attachments and to not lose what you have. Sometimes it's about basic needs. Sometimes it's about status. I want to be seen in a certain way. So I'm going to do certain things to my body and I'm going to try to look as good as I can. So, I mean, that was it for me. Like if I want the love that I want from a man, which was like, the Holy Grail, as far as I understood, I have to be a certain way. So you create all of these mechanisms to do that. And they're almost always subconscious. Some of them are adaptive and they don't cause that much pain down the line. Many of them are adaptive and then they become maladaptive, like lying. I have had just as much of a thing with dishonesty as I did with drinking. Yes, mm-hmm. me too. Mm-hmm. And and you view them as distinct? I would say so. I had to learn yeah. how to tell the truth. They're related. Mm-hmm. I had to get sober before I could do that. Right. But they are different things and that that I would <laughs> I would venture to say is a lot of people's thing and not because mm-hmm. they're bad people, but we don't really like to see the truth here. Most people don't want to hear it. So back to your question, why do we have a thing? We have a thing because we adapt and we grow in the ways that work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
when they outlast their use or they become more maladaptive or destructive than useful and take on a life of their own, mm-hmm. we have to find a way to let them go. And it's like letting go of error. It's like letting go of something you don't know how to live without. You don't believe that you can. Mm-hmm. And that's where everything is, right? Because the boil is underneath. The boil is actually a funny but real example. It's like the alcohol, I was just like, no, cover it. Just cover the pain. Just cover it. Just more... <laughs> More Neosporin, more Band-Aids. Let's wrap that thing with gauze. Let's put a cast on. Your leg's still like, you know, got gangrene and it's about to fall off. And you think you can't live without alcohol until you take that cast off and you're like, okay, this burns or whatever your thing is, alcohol, lying, whatever it is, this fucking burns and I want to die, but there's possibility here it's like pain that actually has a purpose yeah because the wound is exposed yeah Mm. the wound is exposed and it can finally get air and it can breathe there's actual healing possible and available to you when you let go of your thing right so that is the key here pod squatters is like when you remove the behavior which is the band-aid there's something underneath it Mm -hmm. that is what i'm have been amazed by in this new recovery of mine with anorexia is like, oh, the food control stuff was Mm self-soothing because what I really had to get in touch with is a lot of old shit. The wound beneath Mm -hmm. was a lot of old childhood family trauma. Yeah. But and you didn't like, know that. All you I knew didn't was have just like a clue. Subconscious, unconscious, fear, shame, whatever it is. You can't. Your body, your mind, everything in you just goes, nope, this is what we're doing. And it it works enough. Yeah. So we're going to keep and, doing it. And yeah. so I guess this takes us back to like, I, I just love We Are the Luckiest. To take the positive version of like, I'm an alcoholic, right? Yeah. When I think about the symptoms of alcohol abuse. Cause that to me is what it was. I mean, I'm seven years sober and I am now just starting to get to the, to the under belly of like the, what, what the symptom of alcohol addiction was for me, what it's been pointing to. I do wonder because so many of us aren't privileged enough to, to have the the therapy to figure out what these undercover wounds are. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes those symptoms aren't as what they appear to be maladaptive. So whether it's like social media addiction, right. do you have any like ways in which somebody can uncover some of these kind of silent things that they are? Cause so many people who are listening right now don't have a drug or yeah, alcohol addiction. How do they know what know. their How thing is? How do we is? uncover some of these other, other maybe like silent good question. symptoms? It's How do we know what question. our thing is if we're not waking up in jail all the time? Yeah, yeah I know. When you're not, yeah, waking up in hotel rooms with strange men when you're done. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or you're not getting DUIs or. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a great question. As you were talking the first thing I thought of is you just have to be still Mm -hmm. first Mm. for like a minute. (laughs) So is there any other way? I know. know. Let's move on to the alternative to that, Laura, because that's the most horrifying thing. So you don't have like a BuzzFeed quiz. (laughs) A listicle? Yeah. Um, Um, No, that's the only right answer. Can you make us an app? Yeah, there's no apps. It's the most boring thing in the world. You have to be with yourself for a few breaths at first. In those, you have to be with yourself enough to know and to be able to see instead of just the doing that we do. Because we all just, we can skate across the top of life like forever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And most people do because, like Abby said, there's the the consequences aren't that dire, or they're actually applauded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know the workaholism. Like, oh, I'm a workaholic. No one feels shame when they say that. 
they're mm. like, it's kind of a badge of honor. It's a I've humble used, brag. That I've it's used. a humble brag. Yeah. It's a humble yeah. brag. Yes. There are so many things that just never get bad enough, but I have to think, and when I ever get, I get to talk to people, I've never met an individual who didn't know somewhere in there, this little voice was in there saying small, like almost one word things like stop. Mm. No. Yes. Do that. Mm. Those whisper, I I think of it as like your soul voice. Like your soul speaks in very simple say, statements. It doesn't say a whole lot, but it's like, not that. Yes. Enough. Mm-hmm. You have to be in your body and still for enough to just hear that. And that costs no money. That's right. You know, quiet, like some kind of quiet. I mean, even if it's just you're sitting on a subway and you put headphones in and you put on like a meditation, which can just be a YouTube like silence for five minutes. And you just think, where am I? What am I doing? Is this what I want to be doing? How do I feel? Okay, two basic questions. How do I feel? What do I want? Like, if you could just ask yourself those two questions, really ask yourself and let yourself hear the answer, that would start to change your life. And that would start to wake you up to where you are, where your things are. It's good. Uh, Okay, so Pod Squad, go do that. If you are brave enough to come back, the next episode is going to be where Laura takes us through the nine truths that will walk us through the next steps after our soul tells us what we want and how we feel. And also when you're doing that exercise that Laura just said, you cannot do the thing where you only give yourself reasonable answers or things that you can immediately work out. Right. You don't say, I want to not live in this state, but that's absurd because it would take X, Y, and Z and that will never happen. You listen to the first answer. Yes. Yes. The first answer, regardless of how ridiculous it is, because you're not trying to figure out how to do that thing right now. You're trying to figure out whether the bigger yes even exists in your world. 100%. Yes. And yeah, because what you will think is, Oh no, if I feel that way, if I, if I hear myself say I'm not, I'm in the wrong marriage, then everything explodes. If I hear myself say that alcohol is a problem, well then everything, I, I, I will never have a relationship again. I'll never have friends again. Right. No, that's too big. But that's the small voice things. It always will tell, yes. it'll point right to it. Yeah. Okay. Good luck, Pod Squad. We love you. You can do hard things. See you next time. If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. I give you Tish Melton and Brandy Carlisle. I walked through fire, I came out the other side.